Okay, so this morning, church, we start a 12-week discipleship um, series. Everyone say discipleship. 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 Because, you know, one of the things that we need to be in life is a good disciple follower of Jesus Christ. And it's something that doesn't stop and start. It's something we will be for our whole entire lives until we see him face to face. Okay? And... Um, there's, there's many different seasons in our lives. Some are great, some are not so great. But in those seasons, we never, ever stop becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And not only that, the whole series is actually going to help us walk out to be the best disciples we can be, but also disciple others. Because how many of us know it's not just about us, it's about what we do, what God does in us, through us, for other people. All right, so in this place this morning, we want to build ourselves, become the best disciples we can be so that we can disciple others. And over the next course of the 12 weeks, we'll be looking at things like what it means to be a child of God, what it means to have our identity in Christ, what it means to live a kingdom lifestyle. It's good to remind ourselves all of these things, what it means to overcome the enemy, if you're here this morning, you're thinking, what enemy? I can't see an enemy. Well, there is an invisible enemy out there, and he's out to take the church down. And if you are passionate about Jesus Christ, he is out for you. But the good thing is, and we will do this, I'm preaching the message that I should be preaching in a couple of weeks, but anyway, the good news is that we do not have to walk in fear because Jesus has overcome the enemy. Okay, and we'll be looking at all that. We'll be looking at what it means to be a healthy church going forward. You know, we are in, if you are new here this morning, we are literally in the first couple of weeks of planting this church. And we believe, we, we, as we said last week, we just believe God is going to add and he's going to grow, not just numerically, but just the spiritual temperature across this region. In this region. So, will you turn with me to Acts 2? We're going to go right into Acts 2. And the question we're going to be really, really asking this morning is, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? And it's a great question. I imagine many of us in this room this morning, we have said the exact thing. Okay, the gospel has been presented. How many of us have kind of it happened like this? The gospel was presented to you. Somebody told you about Jesus. Do you remember those days? Somebody told you about Jesus, and then there was a response that said, okay, what must I now do? And in this place, our prayer is that, Lord, we're going to present the gospel. You can present the gospel in your homes where you are. You can present the gospel in your workplaces. We're going to be presenting the gospel on the high street in Newton Abbott through Deo Gloria. Our lives are constantly presenting the gospel. But as we go around presenting the gospel, we want so many people to then respond and say, okay, I've heard the good news of Jesus. Now what is it I need to do? Because in my life, as I've witnessed to many people, sometimes you don't get that response. You go, well, thanks very much, but no thanks. And it kind of hits you and you're like, oh, but Lord, I really thought this one, their hearts were turning. But there's no response. You know, it's a good prayer for us to pray as a local church. Say, Lord, when we present the gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah. 
that there is a response from people because now is the time for salvation. Now is the time. We're longing to see a region come to know Jesus Christ for families. We want this place bursting. We want Deo Gloria bursting with families just coming to know Jesus Christ. And here we have in Acts 2, if you turn to it, we're going to be reading from verse 36. It is one of the first sermon. in fact, I think it is one of the, the, the first sermon that was ever preached at the beginning of the church era. And it was by Peter. And Peter explains what is going on. And it is a day of Pentecost. It's one of the festivals that's happening in Jerusalem. And lots of people, Jews from all over the local areas, have gathered together in Jerusalem. And we know in Acts 2, there is the Holy Spirit, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens in Acts 2. And so many ordinary Galileans end up talking or declaring the praises of God in different languages. So can you imagine the scene? You've turned up for a festival and you've come from all different areas as far as Egypt and all around and you hear very, very ordinary blokes, ordinary women, just declaring the praise of God in foreign languages. And we're talking about people who are not educated. And it leaves the people very perplexed. Some were amazed, but some poked fun at the early Christians. Okay, and we pick up where Peter addresses the crowd and he talks to them. So Acts 2, I think it's on the um, screen behind me as well. Here we go. Acts 2, 36. And he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. So here's the response. Here's the response. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, here we go, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Right? We have a wonderful gospel. We have an incredible gospel given to us, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And here we have, and it says, brothers, what must we do? What shall we do? And Peter says, there are four key things that you need to do. Four key things. And this is the teaching side I want to bring out this morning. Can I just say really quickly as well? Okay, we're going to get so many people from different backgrounds, as they did on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> A lot of people from different backgrounds, at different stages of their faith, some with no faith at all, okay? And sometimes, when you've been a Christian a long time, you've seen a lot of things happen in church life. But there are going to be some people that come in for the first time, especially our gatherings, who may look at people with their hands in the air and think, that's a bit strange. Who may see people dancing or weeping or whatever and think, that's a bit strange. Are they drunk? 
Can I say to us, when God moves, all right, God is not a God of confusion, okay? There are some strange things going on. We, we know life's strange. People are strange. We're all different. We're a funny bunch. But let's not rule out a move of God and what God wants to do. Let's not be so quick to say, that is not of God. I've been in two great revival movements in my life. And I'll be really honest, sometimes I'd look at people doing some funny things. But I thought, you know what, God? God's got this. God has got this. So let's not rule out anything that God wants to do. Let God deal with people. Let the Holy Spirit deal with people. And um, so there's that. So here's four things. What must we do? The first thing, repent. The second thing, have faith in the name of Jesus. The third thing, be baptized in water. We're going to be looking at baptizing some people next month. The fourth thing is receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's go through those again. Everyone say repent. Everyone say faith. Everyone say be baptized. And the fourth thing, everyone say receive the gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we've only got time to look at two of those elements, okay? So baptism and faith, sorry, repentance and faith is what we're going to look at this morning. And how many of us know, you imagine a chair this morning. Imagine you sat down, okay, Kim, you sat down on that chair and it only had two legs. <laughs> All right, it's not very sturdy. It's not very strong. You're not going to be sat there so comfortable today, right? You'd be like, um, this is not right, okay? And the pillars that we're going to be looking at in our discipleship life make us sturdy, healthy, and strong as disciples. We can't have one without the other. We need all of the elements working together. Otherwise, our lives will not represent Christ in the best way that we can. And so the two things we're going to look at today is repentance and faith. Are you all with me? Good. Smile. Come on. Let's see those lovely teeth. No, you're okay. I'm a bit tired, actually. There's some more coffee going at the back because we've all had early morning starts. But um, Okay, the first thing is repentance. Repentance. What is repentance? Repentance in its simplest form is doing a U-turn. Okay? That's what it means in its simplest form. It is, it is saying that, you know, I was heading one way. I was going in a direction that was away from God and his plans and his purposes and his will. I was heading my own way. I was doing my own thing. Give me a wave if you can remember that time. When you were doing your own thing. But then repentance is this. It is that sudden realization that God's ways are a lot better than your ways. How many of us still keep learning that lesson when we want to do our own thing? So repentance is this U-turn. It's saying, I'm turning away from my own ways, my own thoughts, my own opinions, and I am heading towards God because his ways are good and his ways are perfect. And you know, this morning, repentance, it is a heart thing first. If you look at the prodigal son, I haven't got time to go into this, it's in Luke um, 15. It's known as the lost chapter where you've got the lost coins, the lost son, the lost sheep. Luke 15 looks at the son who leaves the father's house 
And maybe this morning as I'm talking, you've got some prodigals yourself. <coughs> prodigal children that are away from the Lord. But the prodigal son, he leaves the father and he goes his own way. And what happens to the prodigal son is that he one day realizes, I'm in the wrong, my father's in the right. How many just want to see that across Luton Abbott? Where people go, do you know, I'm so wrong. My lifestyle's so wrong, but I know somebody who is so right and perfect and good. And the, the prodigal son, what happens is, he reaches rock bottom. I'm praying that Newton Abbott, you reach rock bottom and turn to Jesus. And the prodigal son said, he says, I have sinned. That's what happened first, that inward heart change. And then the outward change came. So the internal first and then the outward. And what happened with the outward is he had to literally, physically turn and head in the direction back to his father. And what a beautiful picture, haven't got time this morning, beautiful picture of the embrace of a loving father. And that's exactly what God does with us time and time again. It is the embrace of a loving father. Acts 17 says this, verse 30. I think it will come up so you don't need to turn. You know, it is God's will. Let's remind ourselves this morning. It is God's will that everybody repents. It's his will. He says this, God commands all people everywhere to repent. It's not so that God can hear us all the time going, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Lord, I, I'm, I'm sorry I come again. It's not because of that. It's because God wants us to walk in freedom. God wants us to walk in absolute liberty. And in 2 Corinthians, it says this. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance. And if you've got your Bibles, mark these, highlight these. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Are you ready for this? That leads to salvation that leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Incredible scripture. When we have that desire to follow God and we say, God, I've messed up. When we come back to him with this godly sorrow that brings repentance, it leads to salvation. It leaves no regret in our lives. Repentance. It is a change of heart first. And that is a change of direction. It leads us to live differently. How today are we living differently if we as disciples are living in this wonderful life of repentance that God, got, God has got for us? Remember, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not because he's harsh. It's not because he wants us, as I said before, to, to keep pouring out our sorries to him. It's because he wants freedom. He doesn't want us to live with regret at all. He wants us to leave our baggage with him. A few summers ago, I read The Pilgrim's Progress to my children. We had a summer, and, and we, we stayed at a caravan somewhere, and every night I'd read The Pilgrim's Progress so you can have a children's version. And you had Christian, and he would start his journey with this huge bag on his back. And then one day he realized he got to the foot of the cross and he realized one day, I don't have to carry this baggage any longer. 
I can drop it. I can leave it at the foot of the cross. And this morning, if you have baggage this morning, or you are carrying guilt, you're carrying shame, you're carrying just this sense of I'm not worthy enough because of something that has happened in your life, this morning, I believe the word of God would say to you, just throw down the baggage. Get rid of it this morning. Come to the foot of the cross. Come out after this sermon and receive prayer and say, I am not walking out of these doors this morning carrying baggage. Why? Because God does not have that for you. He's not, that's not his purpose for you. He's so good. And then Luke 3.8, it says this, there are certain fruits of repentance. So what does a repentant life look like? And it says this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Here it is. Thank you, Reuben. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 10. What should we do then? Don't you love that? Here's the question again. What should we do? The crowd asked. John answered, everyone who has shirts should share with one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Is that, is that, yeah. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, here we go, here's the question again. What should we do? Verse 13, don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, here we go, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Isn't it beautiful scripture? <laughs> Tells us exactly what our lifestyle needs to be like. In other words, let me sum this up. The fruit of repentance. Live a selfless life. Give your life away to Christ. Truth is important. If you have a position in life, don't use it to intimidate others. Don't lord yourself over, over people. Don't falsely accuse others. Be content. What a great message. Be content with what you have. And you know, repentance isn't something we do once. <laughs> I don't think a week goes by where I don't find myself at the foot of Jesus. And I'm saying, Lord, forgive me. I've thought something wrong about somebody. I've had a wrong attitude towards somebody this week. I have not spoken the words of Jesus this week. I've not spoke life. And I come again, I say, Lord, forgive me. And when I arise again, there is that wonderful sense of God's peace and his grace and his mercy. You know, David did me in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God. Search me. Know my heart. <laughs> Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any offensive, wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting you know, I think that's a great prayer to pray, often in our hearts and lives. Oh Lord, I want to be a disciple that really walks out repentance, repent. Because it keeps us in this wonderful right relationship with the Lord. And then the final element this morning, we're going to pray into this. 
And we're actually going to do communion at the end this morning, because I think it'd be really good for us to do communion, just to really say to the Lord, Lord, search my heart. Search it this morning. If there's anything in me that's offensive to you, I want you to search me. I want to know what it is. I want you, Holy Spirit, to tell me exactly what it is, because I want to be the best disciple I can be. And then the final pillar, there's two more that we'll be talking after Easter. The final pillar of this segment this morning to lay these foundations is faith in Jesus Christ. Paramount, paramount is faith. I've been going over Hebrews 11 recently. Just the, the faith of these very imperfect people. You see, we can't come to God and we can't please God without faith. You did know that, right? You can't come to God. You can't please him without faith. The second thing, we won't be saved without faith. We won't be justified without faith. Hebrews 11, if we just turn to it very quickly, it says this. Have we got it on screen, Reuben? I might not. It doesn't matter if you haven't. So Hebrews 11, just turn really quickly. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everyone say impossible. impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because those who come to him must believe that he exists. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me just say that again. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he is a rewarder of those who follow him. So the first thing is we can't please God without faith. We've got to come to him. We believe in Jesus Christ because the word says so. We might hear the good news of Jesus from somebody else. We might read the good news of Jesus, okay? But we come to faith in Jesus Christ because we simply believe the word tells us. Do you believe the word tells you who Jesus is this morning? Do we believe? Do we believe? Good. <laughs> Somebody believes. Great. We believe. We believe in the word and faith pleases God. The second thing in Mark 16, it says, whoever believes is saved. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. What do we believe? As disciples in Jesus, what do we believe? Here's what we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Come on, you can start getting excited this morning. There is no other way, no other way, no other person. It is through Jesus Christ. Okay, so he is the Son of God. Do we believe that God sent Jesus into the world? Do we believe this morning that Jesus brings salvation through the cross and forgiveness of our sins this morning? Jesus, yeah, there's no other way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So faith comes through believing in the word of God. Faith comes through believing in the word of God. When you read the word of God this week, they are his words to you. Believe them. Don't just brush over them and get on your merry way. Believe them, take them, stand on them. Despite what your circumstances are telling you, believe on the words of Jesus. We believe in Jesus, sorry, we have faith that leads us to salvation. And then the third thing, faith justifies us. 
And here's the key thing I want to finish up with this morning. We are all sinners. We've all fallen short. We're all guilty of the standard of meeting this, this wonderful standard of a holy God. Okay? But here's, here's the centrality of the gospel this morning. And we need to, I want us to get this in our discipleship journey. Because I don't think we always get it. Or we don't always live in the light of it, I should say. The reality is that a sinless saviour, okay, bore our punishment for our sins. So the punishment, I want us to really get this this morning. The punishment that we deserve, come on, give me a nod. Esther, Esther deserves it. The punishment that we deserve, he took. He took. And I'm like, Lord, if I can't forgive somebody when you died on a cross for me, if I can't love like you, there's an issue with my discipleship journey. He bore our sins on the cross 2,000 years ago. His blood poured out for us on the cross. <laughs> this is the next bit. Our faith in what he has done, not in our good works. Our faith. I could cry because I, I could get so emotional here because I'm like, there's an, I am not good enough, but he's made me good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a sinner, but he's made me sinless. He's made me a saint. I was an orphan and lost, but I'm now found. I'm now a daughter. It's by faith in what he has done for you and me that makes us completely justified. And you know what justification means? It means just as if I had never sinned. So you can walk, if you are in right relationship with God this morning, you can walk out every single day going, it is just as if I have never, ever sinned. Will I mess up again? Yeah. <laughs> Will I do things wrong? Yes. But I have a sinless saviour who has completely justified me before the God of heaven and earth. I now live just as if I had never sinned. There is no longer a death sentence over our lives. And the reason I get so passionate about this is because there is a whole bunch of people in Newton Abbott who have a death sentence over their lives. And if we as a church do not get serious about the mission and the calling that God has on us, they're going to continue going to a lost eternity. I want people to hear this wonderful news. The power of the cross. And here's the thing, it doesn't seem right, does it? It doesn't seem right that Jesus would do this for us. But can I just say, if we do not accept this message by grace through faith, if we do not accept this message, what we are doing is we are diluting, we are reducing, we are weakening the power of the gospel because it is not about us and our minds. It is about the power of God and what he and his plans. 
perform. And what happens then if we try and get our heads around this wonderful grace, this wonderful faith in Jesus Christ that enables us to come into his kingdom, if we don't accept it, we are actually producing another gospel entirely. And then we're walking on dangerous grounds. That's why we come together on a Sunday and midweek life groups and we, we give him all the praise. We give him all the glory. We love him. Lord, in this place, let us love you more today than we did yesterday. Tomorrow, let us love you more. Let that revelation of faith in Jesus Christ really hit us. That Lord, we say thank you. There's no other way to say it but thank you. And I want my life to live out the disciple that you want me to be because of what you have done. There is this incredible um, scene in, I think it's Matthew 16. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Matthew 16. And we know it well. Jesus is kind of telling his disciples that actually I, I am, I'm going to be killed. I, I'm going to suffer. And you can imagine the disciples going, really? You're the conquering king. You, you're really going to suffer? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to suffer. I, I'm going to die. And Peter stands up and he goes, never, Lord. <laughs> you can imagine, can't you? A bit like Phil did the other Sunday at Exeter. He stood on his chair and, in worship. Yeah. <laughs> never, Lord. That will never happen to you. And Jesus, he rebukes Peter and he said, Peter, get behind me. He actually says, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have the mind of God, you have the mind of human reasoning. In other words, Jesus was telling him, you're thinking out how you would figure this all out. If you had your way, Peter, as a human, this is what you would do. And we have to be really careful in life that, you know, when we need to offer forgiveness and love, that we don't somehow go, yeah, but I, I can't really forgive them because... You know, they've really hurt me. You know how we talk to ourselves sometimes? Sometimes we've got to take stock and say, no. The gospel message is forgive 70 times 7 if necessary. In other words, it's unlimited. And that's hard. <laughs> if you've been wounded, if you've been offended in any way, that's jolly hard. But that is the gospel message. And, and Jesus says to Peter, this stern warning, Peter, no, 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 no. You've got the mind of man in you. You haven't got the will and the purposes. You're not thinking as God. So what a reminder to us all. And then finally on faith, we must continue to walk by faith. We know that faith pleases God. Dan, do you want to come up and we'll just settle our hearts we know that faith pleases God. We know that we are saved by faith, grace through faith. And we know that we are justified by faith. In Hebrews 11, I, I spoke about this earlier, there's uh, so many characters of the Bible, Noah, Enoch. Enoch just disappeared one day. <laughs> Joseph, Moses, Abraham, all of these people lived by faith. They had a hope. I remember, hope that is seen is no hope at all. 
They had a hope in the promises of God. And here's the thing, they didn't receive what they hoped for, but they saw it from afar, so really they did receive, in a way. And they were looking ahead to the day of the coming Messiah. In other words, they held the promises of God in their hearts. For them, it was a given. It was already done because they trusted in the words of God. We've got to walk by faith. And let me tell you, that is getting harder. Because our intellects, other people's opinions, maybe you listen to a lot of TED Talks. <laughs> a lot of TV influences and shows. Everybody's got an opinion. But Lord, as a disciple this morning, we're going to have faith in your word. Even if we've not seen the promise come to pass yet, we are going to walk out your word. Moses, in verse 27 of Hebrews 11, it says this, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Everything that is visible right now to the human eye is going to disappear one day. And what is invisible is going to be shown. In faith this morning, can we see him who is invisible? Can we trust him who is invisible? Can we trust and walk on his words, every single word that he says? Will you just get your communion cups this morning? take this this morning by faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, this morning that we are saved by our faith, by grace through faith this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we are justified this morning, just as if we had never, ever sinned. You have wiped away our sins by the shedding of your blood on the cross. Thank you that we can live free this morning. Thank you for this life-changing message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, may it change us forever. May we leave this place, Lord, more in love with you because of what you've done and who you are. Not because of our circumstances, not because of things that are coming against us, Lord. In fact, we will have trouble. We will have difficulties. In these days, we will. But we are overcomers because of Jesus Christ. We're overcomers. Will you take the wafer this morning? Go ahead and take that. Just thank the Lord. Maybe in your heart, just say, I am justified. <laughs> I am justified.
I am forgiven. Search me, O God, and know my heart. If there is anything offensive, anything wicked in me, Lord, I want it gone. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I want it gone. And then let's open the wine this morning. Take this together. Let's take this together. We just stand with me just at the end. You know, the enemy, I'm really excited about this series. The, the whole team, we're going to be doing it over the course of 12 weeks. We've got a break in between because we've got Pastor Mark coming and Des, but we're so excited about this series because we believe God is raising up an army. In these days there is an army that is rising up there is an army of people out in the villages out in the streets out in the workplaces and people are going to look on our lives and I believe we're gonna hear people say honestly in faith this week I believe some of you you're gonna email and you say you'll never guess what in my workplace somebody said you know how do you receive this Jesus what must I do anybody want that this week in your workplace people to say, what must I do? Yeah, the mums in the, in the car parks, the young adults at college. Hey, what is it, Reuben, about your life? And Reuben that way. <laughs> what is it, Helen, about your life? What is it, Carol, about you? Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters saying, mum, dad, come on, okay, what is it about your life? I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Search me, Lord. Pray this week as a church we would continue to walk by faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you need to leave this place this morning and you need to declare that you're justified. Because you're here at the moment and you've come in with shame. You've come carrying that big bag. <laughs> Well, the Lord would say to you this morning, leave the bag before you go out. Drop it down. Drop it down. Throw it away. You are justified this morning. And it's nothing you've done, but you do need faith to believe in this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ.